sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. And always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. Let's pray. Bless, O Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Imagine a happy crowd of normal people gathering on a Saturday evening in a popular nightclub. Suddenly, someone shouts, Fire! Soon, stampedes are moving toward the exits. In the chaos, people are being trampled. In fact, they are dying. Those trying to escape are becoming killing machines. Now, none of those happy dancers would have gone that evening thinking of becoming heartless herders, killers. But in the chaos began the madness, and they behaved as if they were possessed. The spirit of panic created a will of its own, turning decent people into a ruthless, dangerous mob. Some people today believe in a literal Satan, in an actual embodiment of evil, There are others who may not believe in a person per se, but understand that there are darker forces and destructive powers, shadowy realities that are still active and at work today. That these forces can take us over as individuals or groups or even whole civilizations, driving us toward a destructiveness we were never intended to have. Regardless of what you want to call it, few of us would deny that evil exists or that the way to address it doesn't require a different set of skills. Paul wanted us to understand that to be equipped for the living of all of our days, 
we have to believe and know that we are on a spiritual journey. There's a part of me that doesn't appreciate the lectionary when it comes up with texts like this. I just as soon avoid it. But Paul would have us understand that there are true enemies. That sin, evil, and death are to be wrestling forces throughout our lives, in our spirits, and on a cosmic level. And it's in these battles that only God provides and supplies the strength. So the imagery that Paul uses to translate this reality with the scripture of that day and with us is one of armor. A fellow by the name of Helmet, I get a chuckle out of that, wrote a book called Arms and Armor Throughout the Ages. Helmet Nichols, who would have thunk? Nichols said that one of the first suit of armors that was recorded in history was of the Sumerians during the Mesopotamia era with Abraham. They wore helmets of leather and heavy leather coats designed as their first suits of armor. Now understand, one put on armor to wear to battle, not to the family reunion, no matter how appropriate that might feel. <laughs> armor was intended for war, and only a fool would go into battle without as much of a suit as you could wear. By the 15th and 16th century, in France, Germany, and England, armor was more developed. There was not only your helmet, but there was a thing on your shoulders called the pauldron. There were things on your arms called vambrace, and their hands were covered with gauntlets. The chest was a breastplate, a shield in your left hand, and a sword in your right. The entire outfit made a panoply. You had to put on the whole armor to go into battle. Everybody knew it. And you didn't have to be persuaded of the basic wisdom and fact. Likewise with Paul, he is advising and motivating the Christians of his day and us in this one to put on an armor of God, to use all of the resources we have to protect ourselves from the destructive forces that are at work in the world. Would that our suburban lives and turning off the news could protect us. Paul warns, though, that we are not simply fighting with our own egos. Would that we had the luxury of just arguing about selfishness. Would that we could concentrate on the fact that our appetites are too wide, our addictions and passions too frivolous, our battle with booze or drugs or material things 
the most important of fights. Paul says, running from evil doesn't work. Self-medicating doesn't help. Apathy doesn't shield you. So what does? Paul talks about Christians living in a real world that understands that we not only have a battle, we can face it by putting on the armor of God. Paul describes seven pieces. Put on the belt of truth. Truth in all things, truth in our words, truth in our actions, our business, and our governance. Wouldn't that that were true? Truth about ourselves and transparency in our living. To live truthfully is to live honestly and with integrity, with a genuineness that reflects Christ's presence in our lives. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Right relationships, healthy relationships, good relationships with all those who are around us and even the kindness toward ourselves. To be in right relationships means that we don't intend damage or to demean or somehow make someone less than ourselves. Put on those foot protectors of peace. Not to be looking for a fight with ourselves or our family, co-workers or neighbors, but trying to work through the legitimate conflicts that are always to be found between people and nations and among groups that are different. To be a peacemaker is to work for peace toward peace in our relationships. That's the gift from God that we need. If we can't offer it, if we can't offer it, how is the world to learn how? Put on the shield of faith. In other words, to trust God, to trust that God is with me, to trust that God is in you, to trust that God will strengthen us for every situation that we face and watching that truth unfold as we practice it every day. Then put on the helmet of salvation. That's the one where you can take a deep breath. You don't have to question whether or not you are saved. There's nothing you and I have done to earn or merit our salvation. It is God's gift of love to us. So breathe deep and know that safety. A couple of years ago, Bishop Palmer made a saying that wound up on t-shirts and it said, I am a child of God hard stop period breathe in that grace and find in it your strength 
put on the sword of God, the word of God. There's a power in scripture, in the words left to us by the saints. Not a one of us would walk out of the door in the morning without our coffee, me several of them. A cup of tea, some breakfast, brushing your teeth, and being dressed in the appropriate attire. Why would we ever think of walking out of our homes without having spent some time in God's word? Without spending time falling in love with the spirit, soaking in God's presence, and letting it fill us to the bone. Finally, he says, put on prayer in the spirit. Now, Paul doesn't associate a piece of armor with this seventh quality, but its importance is nonetheless huge. Praying in the spirit, in the mood, in the emotion, in the remembering that the spirit in us dresses us in a way which we wouldn't be ready otherwise. So why get to all that trouble? Why all the armor and preparedness? Because my friends, this is a thriving strategy, not a survival one. We're going in battle to thrive as God's people, not simply to win. If this message is to be understood, we as Christians would look at ourselves and know that we are to be exemplary peacemakers. So in the midst of this fierce fighting around the world, in the middle of the chaos, we Christians would bring a gospel of peace, that helmet of calm, the whole armor of God's love, the rightness of relationships. We'd bring it all so that everyone could see the world through God's eyes. We'd behave with more empathy, with more kindness, because we'd see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, as human beings, as we were human in Christ doing. When we get into that kind of thriving strategy, then we understand peace in the midst of the chaos. Rick Hansen is a psychologist at University of Berkeley, says peace can sound mere sentimentality or cliched, but deep down peace is what we most long for. Not a peace inside that ignores the peace of someone else or is required by shutting down. We want a real, durable peace, a peace that you can come home to even when it's covered or surrounded by fear, frustration, or heartache. It's the peace that reminds us that some things aren't going to change. Two and two will always be four. 
The good that you did yesterday or today will be there years later. The ocean may produce different waves, but it's still going to be the ocean. And what I'm here to tell you today is that God will always be God. And you will always be God's child. God will always love you and will always hope that we learn in strong ways how to love each other. While it's just as certain that the world is going to continue to struggle, God's peace is what happens in the middle of the struggle, not in the absence of it. After all, the important thing is that we stand. The word stand is listed four times in verses 11 through 14. And if I had to pick today a favorite scripture, it would be from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 9. Which says, if you do not stand firm in faith, you shall not stand at all. In other, in other words, you can crawl, you can wallow, you can lay on the ground and stomp your feet or kick and scream, but you will not stand unless you stand in the love and presence and power of Christ. This kind of standing is not arrogance. It's not even about being right. This standing is simple and a profound confidence in God's presence. Paul doesn't call people to arm themselves so that we can defeat the principalities in power. We're just not up to that one. And by the way, Christ has already done it. God's people are simply called to stand our ground in this war with a trust in God that exemplifies the greater strength and presence and power of a living Lord. Why? Because Paul literally challenges the Christian community to take the fight to the door of the enemy. Is the church not made of God's people? Are we not that wedge of light into the world? Where our ongoing prayer and focus on the community can make a difference and bring real peace to arm the community with right relationships, to bring the message of salvation where darkness still tries to rule. There's so much we need to fight. Would that we could hide. But in the news this week, there was a woman by the name of Chance, her last name, she had gone up to see a friend of hers and as she walked up the steps, her toddler, Titches was his nickname, 
uh, is sitting there. He's three, eating his cereal. Alonzo Turner, the boyfriend of his mother, comes out, sees that the child has soiled his pajamas, picks him up by the pajamas, hauls him into the room. The six-foot-two, 220-pound factory worker tells the child to bend over, and he beats him with a belt. And when his breakfast comes up, he smears his face in it. I will spare you the rest of the details. By the time the evening rolled around, Titches was dead. He was, Turner was charged in the assault of his mother, but his mother as well was charged for allowing the child to be endangered. She's going to spend 45 years in prison. You tell me where there's any light in that story. Would that it didn't even have to exist, but it does. And that's why we still need this scripture and we need our spiritual backbone and we need our armor and we need our prayers because the battle is waging, my friends. And as far as I know, our faith, the sharing of it, the living of it, the fight for truth, for right relationships, for a trust that God is with us is the only way I know to oppose the darkness and have a thriving strategy. I want to close with a prayer that one of the commentators in my study shared. It was his mother's morning prayer and would that we might learn it oh god this morning i come into the stillness of your presence to begin this day with you so that out of this moment i may take with me a quiet serenity and strength to last me all day long i've come to find wisdom so I don't make any foolish mistakes. I've come to find peace so that nothing would worry or upset me through the day. I've come to find love so that nothing would make me bitter, unforgiving, or unkind. I've come to find justice so that I would always work for the poor and disadvantaged in the world. I've come to begin this day with you, continue it with you, and end it with you, so that this would be a day which had nothing to regret. Hear this morning prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. That woman knew how to get dressed. You do too. You do too.
And as much as I'd love for the world to be different, your love of God and God's love of you is still the best and only answer I know. May we go and thrive so that the world thrives with us. Amen.